there's a kind of sound you won't find in your men. Recall, when you add a note to one, you sounded just before, and another one after that, and then another three or more, and suddenly you are singing notes galore. Oh, no, R2, it's more. There's a kind of feeling when you sing a melody, and another person sings along in harmony. It's the loveliest thing that you can do to make your voice sound grand. These difficult things are the things you never will understand. If you could only give it a try and see if you could, your voice would float like a feather and we'd sing together our tune. Just get your circuits buzzing on near half dozen will do. If you can get them ringing, then we all will be singing with you. Now sing our tune. Yes, that is some C-3PO and R2-D2 singing a very merry Star Wars Christmas. Here to start us off on Treks in Sci-Fi, I'm Rico, your host. Today is December the 18th, 2011, only a week till Christmas. It is podcast 362. Welcome to the show, everyone. This week on this one week till Christmas show, we're going to do, well, not really a very Christmassy movie, I guess, but it is a fantasy film that I've enjoyed a lot over the years. It is called Legend, directed by Ridley Scott, starring Tom Cruise and Mia Sarah and Tim Curry, and just uh, a really cool fantasy film. I think it's 1985, uh, and uh, we're going to look at that today with some clips and comments and discussion. I, I've talked about this film a few times before, but um, this time we're going to do kind of more uh, a full in-depth report on it and uh, talk about some other stuff in the news and TV, movies, and so forth. So sit back, relax, and uh, hey, let's listen to a little bit more of R2 and C-3PO before we get started on this week's edition of Treks in Sci-Fi. Good, that's much better. But never give up till you know that you're singing a perfect song. We know that you can do it, that you can do it, R2. holiday music from the uh, R2 and R2 unit and C3PO to get us started today. Uh, 
How's everyone doing? Hope everyone's doing well. Uh, I got a week left till Christmas. Uh, I want to say to begin with, I, I feel a little bit like I'm a little nasally today. I don't feel bad. Uh, but uh, if it sounds like that, uh, you know, just uh, just saying, uh, I don't really uh, feel like I'm getting anything. Although the weather here is colder and Lynn has got a bit of a cold. So I'm hoping I'm trying to take lots of vitamins, as they say, and get lots of rest and trying to avoid getting sick for the holidays like the pretty much the whole planet it seems like <laughs> but anyway I, I hope everyone does uh does well and, and stays healthy out there it hasn't uh really been that uh eventful of a week really this past week or so the news is slowing down uh there isn't really anything new to report on the star trek movie i i just check i usually check just before i get started with the podcast see if anything late uh last minute has popped up but i haven't seen anything there are no new reports of any new cast members or anything like that it's uh they've got um obviously the uh start date is going to be the mid mid january still and i think they're kind of running out of time i don't know if we're going to hear any more cast information before christmas and before the holidays maybe it'll be just into the new year but you never know uh, these deals happen at, at any given time, I think. So we'll keep everyone posted about that as much as possible here on the website and the forums and everything. Of course, the last cast person they they, they did uh, sign for the movie is Peter Weller. He's going to be in it. So uh, um, what else? Let's see. Let's catch everyone up, I guess, a little bit on uh, television and uh, and that. Uh, it's been uh, a pretty good week i've watched i've caught up with uh my usual shows grim and last week's once upon a time was good uh we're also kind of winding down tv now for a while for a month or so so uh, most of these shows have finished off uh for this year at least and uh, i'm really enjoying both once upon a time and grim it's nice to have fantasy shows on tv again uh it's not been uh, or it's not been like we've had a lot of those over the years i miss legend of the seeker speaking of that i'm reading the next legend of the seeker book uh, in the series Terry Goodkind, uh, this one's called Stone of Tears. It's really interesting reading these books as I go through it, as um, you know, from the TV show that I watched before I read any of the books, and how much of the books and the TV show overlap, and there are differences, but they sort of work certain things in. And uh, it's they're they're in the second book now. These uh, if, for those familiar with the TV series, these Sisters of Light have shown up who are uh, trying to help Richard learn about his gift and magic and things. And it, it's, uh, I find the books really, really good, even though I watch the, the TV series and, and know kind of some of the things that happen. I, there's something a little bit more uh, intense and a little bit more, in a way, enjoyable about the books, just because I, I think they can go into a lot more depth about like the relationship between Richard and Kaylin and uh, more background on on the, you know what goes on in this world, this fantasy world with the confessors and the seeker and Zed and all of that. So uh, I'm just basically saying if you've enjoyed the TV series, definitely seek these books out and give them a try. I don't think uh, you'd be disappointed at all. I think you'd really enjoy them. And uh, I've got this uh, one on my Kindle, which is fun. And uh, I've been, it's a I guess a fairly big book, the second one, and and I've been reading a little bit each day, so that's uh, good. And uh, I always wish I had more time to read. I can remember back growing up and having, you know, whole summers off school, and I would just read a book, you know, like one after another. And uh, when I was back in the science fiction book club in those days, so 
It's uh, I wonder why no one does like a book club. Well, I guess they have audio book clubs with uh, uh you know, the um, some services have that, but the I, I I wonder, you know, maybe with all the electronic devices, if we'll ever get to the point where there'll be some kind of a a multiple book a month thing. Maybe there is that I don't know about. There probably is, you know. Can't keep up on everything. So uh, what else has I, you know, been going through, uh, you know, TV? I think I talked last week. I think I'd already seen Warehouse 13 and the Eureka Christmas specials for this year. Those were really good. I enjoyed those a lot. Uh, Also, we've got, of course, Doctor Who coming up on Christmas. I believe it's broadcast over here in the States on Christmas Day, too. The... uh, the annual uh, Christmas special for Doctor Who. This one will be with Matt Smith, and uh, those are always a lot of fun, a nice little treat to have for the holidays to watch, especially since most, you know, Christmas times, like I said, there isn't a lot of new things on television to watch. There are new movies coming. I'm really looking forward to both seeing uh, the next Sherlock Holmes film with Robert Downey Jr., and also this Mission Impossible uh, Ghost Protocol, the fourth Mission Impossible movie, which is kind of appropriate since we're going to do this look at this legend movie today with Tom Cruise. He's in this. And remember, if you go see this Mission Impossible movie, Ghost Protocol, if you go see it in IMAX, in one of the IMAX official IMAX theaters that are going to show, not all of them, I don't think. So check the listings out there. You can go to various sites to find out. But some of the IMAX theaters are getting this prologue for next summer's Batman, the The Dark Knight Rises movie, which is going to give us, I think it's six minutes or nine minutes, one or the other, six or nine minutes of like the beginning of the Batman film from, uh, you know, from Christopher Nolan and Christian Bale and those guys working on that movie. So we're going to be able to see that ahead of time. I'm really going to try to see it in an IMAX theater this uh, Mission Impossible movie. It looks like a great movie. I've heard good things already, some early reviews and reports. Uh, got, it has a lot of action and should be fun to see. So uh, that uh, is going to be uh, great. I'm really looking forward to, uh, to that. And, of course, we've got a couple other movies. There's this one, uh, the, the, um, the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, the American version of that is coming out. Uh, this uh, I think it's around Christmas it comes out. And there's this other movie uh, with this alien invasion. What is the name of that? I'll have to look it up when I'm going to take a break here in a moment and look up that. The preview show, basically, there's this alien invasion, a group of young people that seem to be trying to fight back. And and what they show in the previews a lot are people kind of get zapped by these aliens or some kind of almost electricity. And then it just makes them, basically, it, it kills them, it looks like. It just, you know, they just sort of turn into dust. And uh, it... Uh, it's only rated PG-13. I, I, I get amazed still sometimes uh, what movies are still rated PG-13 because if these people are dying, there's a lot of people in this preview showing them being zapped and dying by these aliens, but it's still good old PG-13. I guess because maybe you don't see a lot of blood. Maybe they can get away with that. I, I don't know. So, But uh, I'll look up the title of that uh, and uh, play that or um, play a... Uh, break clip here and then I'll uh, I'll be back and I'll tell you what the title of that is we'll do a couple more uh, comments about some other things and then we'll get into the movie legend hi there Rick Moyer here to let you know about an exciting new project that I'm working on called Stargazer 2 you heard Stargazer 1 and enjoyed that and now some brand new singles are out on iTunes CD Baby Rhapsody Amazon and more 
building on the relaxing type of stuff that I did in Stargazer 1, I'm using now the iPad, some different programs like GarageBand and uh, Moog, and also um, some really fun things in a program called Thumb Jam. So it's a lot of fun. I'm putting out some, some really neat stuff that I think you'll really, really enjoy. And right now you can get the singles um, on iTunes called So Many Moons. That's what you're listening to now. You also can get Just Past Pluto sounds a little bit like this. Plus, I did a vocal project that I released on iTunes recently, just one single called Robot Gunslinger Cowboy. You probably heard it on the Trex and Sci-Fi podcast, but this is a revamped version with brand new instrumentation and some really cool vocals. And uh, here's a little sample of Robot Gunslinger Cowboy. I want to be a robot gunslinger cowboy. I want to be a robot gunslinger cowboy. I want to be a robot, gunslinger, cowboy, like your Brenner. There you go, some brand new material out of the Moyer Multimedia LLC production studio. 99 cents a track on iTunes, CD Baby, Amazon, and all the different outlets of uh, music and stuff like that. And, you know, hey, three bucks and you have some brand new Moyer music. Why not? Thanks so much for listening to my stuff. I really appreciate every single person that downloads and enjoys my music. Have a great day and God bless. I'm back. Uh, the movie I was thinking about earlier there, it's called The uh, It's called the Darkest Hour. Here's the little plot summary, a few sentences. The Darkest Hour is the story of five young people who find themselves stranded in Moscow, fighting to survive in the wake of a devastating alien attack. Uh, it's a 3D movie. 3D feature film combines mind-blowing special effects from filmmaker Timur Bekimatov and the vision of director Chris Gorak. So uh, we'll, we'll see. It's got, uh, you know, looks like it has some pretty good people in it. Emil Hirsch is the main guy. You've seen him in a few things. Uh, uh, the Girl Next Door. Um, I think that was the movie that was called The Girl Next Door. Yeah. Uh, he was in that. He's done some other th- stuff that's been good. Uh, so we'll we'll see what that's like. Comes out on Christmas Day. A nice alien invasion movie for Christmas. So what else uh, do we want to cover here before we get rolling into the main part of the, the cast? I guess uh, I'll cover uh, what's coming up on the podcast for the next uh, couple of weeks. Next week, I'm going to do just kind of a casual Christmas Day show, play some music, talk about Christmas a little bit, uh, maybe uh, do uh, a few uh, stories and songs from different things. And just it probably will be a shorter than normal podcast, not a real main subject, but I wanted to put something out on Christmas uh, since it's Sunday and that's usual podcast day. In two weeks, I am going to be doing a video cast. This is the one where all of you out there who were part of the Secret Santa group this year on the forum, you have to send me, make sure you send me a little video clip of you 
that uh, you can share with everyone, uh, showing the gift you got and thanking the person that sent it and just talking about it a little bit and, and so forth. So that's uh, that's going to be in two weeks. And, uh, and then if you want any future schedule info, just check out uh, the... Um, the main webpage or the forum. I always try to put the next uh, at least a month's worth of uh, schedule updates. Usually near the end of a month or the beginning of a month, I'll put what's coming up on the podcast for the next month or so. And remember, uh, a reminder, in uh, 2012, the podcast is going to go to every other week. However, uh, when I say that, I mean my uh, contributions or my shows are going to be every other week. We are probably going to be able to fill in at least one time a month, maybe more, with guest casts. At least it's my goal. So you're probably, probably on average, you might have one week a month where there will be no new Treks and Sci-Fi content. But uh, right now, at least, actually, it looks like all of January is covered. I've got a couple of guest spots to fit in on, in January. Uh, one from Rick Moyer, who's going to do a year in review show, and Dave uh, Dave Kell on the forums is going to do a show about. Uh, some specifics and information for Babylon 5 fans and, and just a cool, he's a big Babylon 5 uh, fan, and I think he's uh, been kind of itching to do a show about that even, uh, you know, with, with with going to every other week. This was a good opportunity for that. So that's coming up in the near future for Treks and Sci-Fi. But again, there may be some off-skipped weeks uh, in um, 2012, but don't worry, I'll be back at least every couple of weeks with a new show at the least. And if uh, if we get a lot of guest spots, we'll have even more than that. So uh, who knows? We may not miss a week if we have enough people jumping up and wanting to do a guest show. And uh, if any of you that do podcasts have a podcast that ends up one of your normal shows is sort of a sci-fi fantasy related show on some subject and you'd like to just sort of slide in almost one of your shows for a guest spot, that would be fine too. That would be totally fine. We've done that kind of in the past at a couple of points. So uh, so that's uh, going to be good, and uh, hopefully it'll give me a break to do some other stuff that I've been wanting to tackle and, and try out. So I don't think there's much more to say. seems like this, again, this week has been uh, a little slow, a little off for news at least. There's a lot of new trailers out. I guess I could comment about those. Uh, there was a new trailer for the next summer's G.I. Joe, and also, what else? There was another trailer for something else that came out this week. I'll have to check real quick. But the uh, the G.I. Joe trailer looked pretty good. The Rock is going to be in it. Uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to that. And I think that's going to be a lot of fun to see. I thought the first movie was okay, the first G.I. Joe. I'm not a big expert or f- huge fan of, of G.I. Joe in general. So I don't know what, you know, the, the real fans, the guys who know this stuff in and out, like we know Trek in and out thought of it uh i guess it did pretty well in the box office though so that's a good thing uh and next summer is just going to be really chock full of these kinds of movies we're going to get spider-man uh we're going to get of course dark knight uh just a ton of stuff to see next summer there's going to be snow white movies there's just going to be lots of stuff to see at the theaters so looking forward to all of that so i think that's it let's get right into legend because there's really a lot to talk about about this classic a movie from Ridley Scott from 1985. So I'm going to take a, a break here. And while I do this break, I'm going to play one of the trailers to Legend. And I'll come back and we'll get into a discussion about this uh, really fantastic fantasy film. There is 
a balance to the universe. The struggle to maintain that balance is the stuff of legends. For there can be no good without evil, no love without hate. Life needs death. Innocence feeds lust. There can be no heaven without hell. No light without me. I am darkness. So we're going to talk about the movie Legend, this uh, 1985 released uh, fantasy film directed by Ridley Scott. It starred uh, Tom Cruise, Mia Sara, Tim Curry, David Bennett, Alice Platon, Billy Barty, Cork Hubbard. Uh, this uh, movie is a, a complicated one. And, you know, the funny thing I thought about when I was getting ready to do this show today and did some background checking and things, and I knew some of the history here and some of the uh, things that went on with this movie but Ridley Scott you know like I did whenever it was maybe four or five six months ago uh, I did the um, story or the story or background and podcast on Blade Runner another Ridley Scott movie that had uh, some significant changes to it uh, between various releases and you know the director's cut of that film and changes to you know, the big uh, change of Harrison Ford's dialogue and and a couple of uh, very important clips and scenes in the movie and not in the movie. And in a way, like that film, this Ridley Scott production also had some pretty big changes that happened throughout the course of it and throughout the course of its uh, time, uh, both in film release and in movie theaters and on home uh, DVD and Blu-ray now. So it's, you know, it's interesting because of... You know, the fact that they both have the same director, of course, uh, that uh, both of these movies had a lot of changes that happened with them. Now, let me give you a little more background. It was uh, it was only budgeted. It was about a $30 million movie, which, again, in these days, in the year 2011, doesn't sound like very much. For example, the Mission Impossible movie, the new one I was talking about that's coming out, cost $140 million. So $140 million for that versus $30 million for this movie, uh, Legend, uh, with also with Tom Cruise. Uh, the box office was was not that great. It only made about. I remember I did see this movie in the theater in 1985. It uh, was actually released in in uh, actually in the United States in 1986, in early 1986 in April. Uh, it came out in the United Kingdom though in '85, so it's still considered a 1985 movie. Uh, even though for the U.S. it was really released in April of 90, 19, excuse me, 1986. But it only made, uh, it cost $30 million, only made about $15 million, $15.5-ish million. Uh, so it, it was not very successful. And we're going to talk about a number of things of, of maybe why that was the case uh, or perhaps, you know, it's always tricky. Movies and how well they do. You can say, oh, this was a good movie, this is a poor movie, and a movie that's a good movie, or a movie, I should say, that hits with the audience and does well, 
it, it's very hard to decide and figure out what that magic elixir or the magic formula is that has that that causes that to happen I should say but uh, this movie obviously had didn't quite have that although I was really I really liked it I mean we didn't get a lot of both even sci-fi or fantasy films back then and keep in mind Ridley Scott had a bit of a reputation of, of, of putting out these very visual and kind of amazing movies a little bit at that time for so for somebody like me I I just thought this was a great film from the you know the first time I saw it I I just uh, really loved it I loved the the look of it. it it has such a great look to it and I'm going to talk more about that too as we go through the 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 discussion but it, it just it, it was just a beautiful movie it is a really beautiful movie to watch and it, uh, I, I need to get it on Blu-ray, actually. I don't have it on Blu-ray yet, but uh, this is probably going to make me go over to Amazon later today and, and, and buy it on Blu-ray. Get the ultimate set with, you know, the director's cut, the original theatrical U.S. release, all the little doodads and details and, and commentaries and behind-the-scenes stuff. I wish I had it now for doing the show, but I think we'll, we'll manage anyway. I've got some clips here to play for you. Speaking of that, I think I'm going to play the first clip now, and then we're going to talk about, uh, come back and talk a little bit about the uh, inception of the idea of this story, where why Ridley wanted to do this, and who worked on the story, and where he got some of that from, and so forth. So listen to this first clip from a Legend, and I'll be right back. Uh, Blix, come closer. Are you not the most loathsome of my goblins? Truly, master. And is your heart black and full of hate? Black as midnight, black as pitch, blacker than the foulest witch. Something troubles me. I feel a presence in the forest. A force I had mercifully almost forgotten. Must be dread indeed to trouble you, Lordship. Looking upon these frail creatures, one would not think that they could contain such power. One could rule the universe with it. You must find them for me and destroy them. What do they look like, Lord? Let this serve to remind you. The creature is crowned with a single spiral, reaching like an antenna straight to heaven. I get the point, Lord. Bring the horns to me. Where should I look, sire? There is only one lure for such disgusting goodness. One bait that never fails. What be this bait? Please, you teach me. Innocence. Innocence. All right, that clip was uh, a bit of a discussion between one of the goblins, uh, Blix, between him and, and uh, Darkness, played by Tim Curry. By the way, Darkness, the makeup and the look and, and just the whole thing of him is, 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 to me, one of the highlights of this movie. Just really well done. I even have a sideshow collectible uh, statue of, of Darkness that's a, I think it's supposed to be a one, is it a one-sixth scale? 
or maybe one quarter scale. I don't know. It's pretty tall. It's about 18, 20 inches tall. Uh, there are pictures. If you go to my, I believe I've got pictures of it up. If you go to the main Treks and Sci-Fi webpage and then go to the, the gallery area and find collectibles and then just dig down to fantasy movies, you should be able to find it. This is a, It's a great item, though. Great collectible. Very uh, well detailed. It has soft goods of fabric of his cloak that he wears and the the deluxe or um, exclusive uh, edition came with uh, both a unicorn horn and his staff and it's just one of my favorite uh, statue pieces that i own here and uh in the rico cave <laughs> anyway let me go through a little bit about uh where this all came from to begin with um let me uh, i'm looking at uh, some of the wikipedia info on this movie uh while filming the duelist in france ridley scott came up with the idea of legend after another planned project Tristan and Isolade Isolade is that how you say her name fell through which eventually got done by the way however he felt that he was he felt that this movie legend was going to be kind of an art film with a limited audience so uh before uh he went on to make this movie he did Alien he did some Dune work on Dune uh and then this movie kind of kept coming up for him he read Scott really Scott read a lot of the uh classic fairy tales including the ones by Brothers Grimm. And he came up with this idea of a story of this young hermit boy who was kind of transformed into a hero when he battles what he calls in this the Lord of Darkness to rescue the beautiful princess and release the world from a wintry curse. And that's a very classic fairy tale type story. You know, you have a hero who maybe isn't the the biggest and the boldest of the bunch. He's sometimes a reluctant hero, sometimes somebody who isn't really cut out for this, but has the the you know the pureness of his heart and the desire to save uh you know in this case the princess the woman he loves uh lily who is played by mia sarah in this movie who by the way was really young when they did this movie she was only like the movie spent a couple of years in production actually multiple years i think three total uh because of different issues and she only was like 15 years old when they started production to begin with so she is very young in this tom cruise is pretty young too at the time uh, but uh, not 15. <laughs> uh let's go on to a little bit on the story specifically in the screenplay uh ridley wanted uh he wanted an original screenplay he didn't really want to adapt some specific fairy tale he wanted something kind of that took those elements but was was new on its its own he started reading uh, a few books by a guy named william hortzberg uh he found the writer had actually already written several scripts for some uh low budget films and he uh, ridley scott asked this guy uh, william hortzberg if he was interested in writing a script for uh, an original fairy tale uh something that he could film obviously and they wanted to do a, a very classical style fairy tale uh and it has a very uh, classic, you know, again, fairy tale thing. The, uh, a lot of these, you know, will be kind of short in, in a way, uh, or they can be complex. But uh, they, they decided or they were thinking about something more Beauty and the Beast kind of oriented. But then they worked on a rough outline for, uh, for this movie, which originally was called Legend of Darkness, not just Legend. Uh, and, of course, the darkness character in the name comes from uh, the big red guy with the horns in this movie, played by Tim Curry. That is darkness, basically supposed to embody evil and everything that's dark and, and bad in the world. And then you have the light. And, and, and that's what this movie basically is about. There's, 
you know, the light and the dark. And there's a lot to be said for having both of those elements. But if if things go badly, like in this movie, darkness tries to destroy the light and, and basically plunge the world and this fantasy world into eternal winter and eternal darkness by... Uh, the the way they want to do this is take these unicorns, which are supposed to be these creatures of pureness and goodness, and take off, uh, chop off their the unicorns' horns, and and that act by by these evil goblins serving darkness will plunge the world into this you know gloom and dark uh, you know state that uh, there will be no love, there won't be any light left, and that and you know, again a very very classic thing. And another thing about this movie is it's because it's a Ridley Scott movie is part of it, and it is a fairy tale. It's very visual. There isn't a huge amount of dialogue. I, I, I've got clips to play for you. But, again, a lot of this movie is something you need to see. Uh, it was, uh, uh, again, done on uh, sound stages, basically, which is surprising because a lot of this movie looks doesn't look like that to me, at least. It looks beautiful, but they did basically this movie was done. I think they may have filmed a couple little moments uh, out somewhere, but uh, it's it's 99% soundstage done, and uh, it 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 looks beautiful. They they spent a lot of money on on the look of the movie, especially. So let me play another clip for you here, and then I'll come back and we'll talk a little bit more about the production itself. Uh, where they did it, and, and other things related to legend. Jack, I'm sorry. Are you afraid to kiss me, Jack? I'm afraid you'll break my heart. And steal your heart. You're dear to me as life itself. Don't you wish this was our wedding ring? my right to set a challenge for my suitors. I will marry whoever finds this ring. Jack! All right, yeah, so there's a, a, a clip. Uh, I think that's with um, Lily and Jack uh, talking a bit. And uh, it's, uh, you know, they're they're young and they're in love and they, you know, tool around in the forest a little bit. Now, Jack's character is supposed to be more of a creature of the forest. He, he knows the other fantasy creatures that live there. And Lily is kind of like a human and out, an outsider and he eventually wants to do something for her, and he takes her to see the unicorns. And there's a beautiful scene where they're in the water, the unicorns are in this little riverbed kind of area, and Lily touches one of them, and that is what allows the goblins to find them, and it's supposed to be sort of a symbolic gesture of humans can't touch that purity, you know, in a way, and that that is a bad thing to do. It's kind of like uh, I don't know how to explain it. It, it but again, it's it, it's it's supposed to be 
Jack is not supposed to really show Lily this stuff, and later you'll you'll hear a clip where he's being, uh, you know, they don't like the fact that he did this. He's all a little uh, friends of the forest, so and that causes the issues that happen and, and starts the whole thing in motion a little bit. But with a with an act that that Jack thought was going to be okay, but it, it turns out not so not so good. The production itself. Uh, Scott, he wanted it to have a lot of Disney kind of very fantasy and and, and the way Disney animation even looks. Uh, But they were, um, you know, he actually offered it to Disney, I think, to be one of the people behind backing the movie. But they were a little bit worried about the dark tone of some of this. So they were scared about that. So they backed off and, and Disney didn't get involved. Even though there are a lot of movies, you know, things like Snow White and Fantasia and Pinocchio that have some dark elements. But um, eventually the production design, uh, I think he, he worked with this guy named Ashton Gordon, uh, who was a, a, the director had wanted, he had wanted them for Alien and Blade Runner. But he uh, knew, you know, the, some of the pitfalls of shooting and, and different, uh, you know, shooting exteriors on a soundstage. So... Um, they eventually uh, worked with also Richard Edlund, who worked uh, for effects on some of the Star Wars films, and they eventually worked out a way to do this on sound stages and not on location. And they ended up using the uh, Pinewood Studios uh, location that, of course, they filmed a lot of the James Bond movies at. Uh, Scott, though, Ridley Scott was worried that that doing all of this forest work and everything like that wouldn't look uh, real enough uh, on uh, on sound stages so they spent a lot of money on these uh, on these in these five huge sound stages to create these huge trees that were like 60 feet high with uh, 30 foot diameter trunks made out of polystyrene and tubular you know frames that they had to build them on so they, they you know building this whole thing and I, I was amazed you know I thought for sure some of this was filmed you know, out in the wild and in location, but they were, you know, Ridley was worried that they couldn't control the weather and it just was, um, you know, a difficulty and a more, much more expensive to take everyone to a, a location every day. So they did it on these sound stages instead. Uh, they, uh, principal photography itself started uh, on March 26th in 1984 on the Pinewood studio stages. Uh, there was a, a big problem that happened, though. In June, only about, I guess that would have been about three months of filming towards the end of June, with only 10 days left to film on the stage, the entire set burned down during a lunch break. Uh, I guess the flames were, uh, you know, leaping up into 100 feet into the air, and clouds of smoke could be seen miles away. And it, fortunately, it occurred during lunchtime. Nobody got hurt. But uh, Ridley had to make some changes to the shooting schedule, only lost three days moving to another soundstage. Uh, meanwhile, the art department had to rebuild a section of the forest that was needed to complete the filming. Uh, so it really was a, a, a big blow to them for that to have that uh, burning of the studio happen. I don't think they ever discovered exactly what caused it, but uh, that uh, definitely put a put a crimp in this and really ended up causing uh you know the movie to then be filmed in little bits over the next couple of years i think because of that and he made changes to it too but we'll talk more about that uh as we continue our look at legend and i'm going to play now for you another clip i think we're uh, up to uh the third fourth clip maybe and i think this is between jack and his little uh, 
fantasy fairy buddy, not really a fantasy, but well, he's a fantasy creature, uh, Gump, and uh, well, listen to the clip. Who are you? You be a forest child and not know the gum? <laughs> gum. gump, is it? Honeythorn Gump, at your service. How did you know my name? Stop it! Go away! I know everything, Jack. Yet, I do not understand what has happened today. Suppose you tell me, Jack. You know these woods as well as any elf. Did you not see something odd today? Any strange spirits? Did nothing untoward happen? I took Lily to see the unicorn. You did what? <laughs> Silence! Oh, God, Gum. She touched him. Touched it? A mortal laid hands on a unicorn! Yes! Do you think you can upset the order of the universe and not pay the price? We meant no wrong. I did it for Lily. I did it for love. Love, you say? Well, love is another matter. Brown Tom! A toast to love. Elderberry wine, finest drink under heaven. But Gump, it's the last bottle of my best wine. Yeah, so things are starting to go bad in this fantasy world, uh, and they uh, they just, uh, you know, now um, Jack has to go off and uh, kind of save uh, save Lily eventually, and, and you'll see how that works out here in a few. If you've not seen this movie and don't know, you'll know pretty soon. And, and I, I should say, and again, as I do these podcasts like this about movies or TV shows, especially some of the older stuff, if you've never seen this, please definitely seek it out and, and give it a look. Uh, any of the versions, really. I'll, I'll talk about the different versions of the movie here in a few, but uh, it's it's certainly worth seeing. Talk about the makeup. Uh, Scott uh, Ridley Scott worked with a guy named Rob Botton on the makeup. He had done makeup for things like The Howling and also John Carpenter's The Thing. And so they uh, they really there was a lot of pretty involved and elaborate makeup in this movie. The goblins, uh, some of the creatures of the forest had wings and different prosthetics. Uh, but the, probably you know by far the biggest makeup uh, thing that they had to do was all of the makeup they did to create darkness on actor Tim Curry. He had like about a dozen prosthetic pieces that have, had to be applied to his face and muscles and things to his chest and arms and everything like that. It took about three and a half hours to get Tim Curry to, to you know, look like he does as darkness. It was just, uh, it was just crazy. And uh, then another hour or two more to, to dab on color and makeup. So, I mean, it was just crazy amount of makeup he had to wear. And the, one of the biggest issues was he had to wear this big three-foot-long set of horns on his head. And instead of these horns going straight up, if you uh, watch the movie, they actually go forward like the, the, the horns on a bull. They actually kind of go forward. And this, the weight of these horns when they were on Curry's head really put a big strain on his back and his neck. And eventually they were able to find a material that was light enough that it didn't strain his back and neck too badly. 
and, and was able to uh, wear those for a length of time during the production, during the uh, the shoot. But, the, you know, it's got to be, to me, one of the most elaborate bits of fantasy makeup I've ever seen in any movie, really. And I think nowadays, you know, they might just do it all with CG. You know, they would put the little dots on someone. He would move around the stage and then they eventually would CGI all the makeup onto him, especially things like the horns and all of that. But, you know, this is back in the days where they didn't do that. And I, I kind of appreciate it, and it is pretty amazing to see. I guess Tim Curry had to each day spend about an hour in a bath to sort of liquefy all the spirit gum, you know, for all these prosthetics that were attached to him. And uh, that uh, it got to be a little frustrating for him. I guess there's a story that... One day he got uh, so impatient with the whole thing and kind of a little claustrophobic with all these prosthetics on his body that he yanked things off and it kind of tore some of his skin off. And he actually was off production for a week or so after that because of his skin being sort of ripped off. <laughs> that must have hurt is all I can say about that. And uh, But, you know, he, he really, really pulls off this character well. He's just nasty and slimy and evil and... He has sort of a charisma, too, about him because uh, a good portion of the movie is he's sort of trying to seduce Lily and kind of turn her over to the dark side is is basically the way to look at it and say it. Uh, he captures her, the goblins bring her, and he offers her all of these jewels and this black dress, and there's a scene where she's dancing and everything, and slowly he's trying to... Uh, kind of undermine the love that she has with Jack and, and kind of twist her to to joining him. And I, I find some things in this movie kind of similar to the movie Krull. They both actually came out near near in the same years or ages. I think, well, Krull was like 83 and this was 85, 86. So within a couple of years of each other. But there's a lot of similarities. There's kind of a, a guy and a girl and the girl gets taken by this nasty bad guy. And then he sets off on a quest to kind of rescue her. So the 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 basics are there uh but um and then the uh the fact that these you know in in crawl the creature was this a little harder to define kind of alien you know beast being much larger and much more uh kind of different and and alien than than the darkness creature that you see in in legend but i think there are, there are a lot of similar things about these movies um what else we talk about before we play another clip I don't want to talk about the music yet. I think we're going to talk about that after I play this next clip for you, which we're up to, let's see. I think this is the clip where um, they talk about Jack needing some weapons to go off and, and fight darkness. So listen to this, and I'll be right back. We must find a champion, bold of heart and pure in spirit. Champion? What champion? Shh. Don't give up so quick, lads. You'll do. We must get you some weapons. Me, but Kump, I know nothing of weapons. You'll learn. I know where to find the best. Brown Tom, stay here with the unicorn and guard her well. Like me all life. Better. She's the last of her kind. <sighs> with you now. Anyway, Una will guide the way. Follow me, Jack. Over here. Come on. 
Yeah, so they go off and try to find some uh, weapons for Jack to use. They find some armor and a sword, and he starts to look more like a hero. Uh, Tom Cruise, I think, does a pretty good job. I think all the actors in this movie do do a good job. But Tom looks kind of wild. He's got the long hair. I think he looks still a little too pretty to be a, a, a guy that a forest child that lives out in the woods all the time. But, you know, that's uh, that's fantasy, I guess, and, and you kind of have to accept that. Uh, let's get into talking about one of the biggest things that is different in the different versions of this film, and that's the music. The music originally, uh, the soundtrack was uh, done by Jerry Goldsmith. Uh, that was the original soundtrack. It is in the original uh, cut of the movie that was released. Uh, well, not the U.S. cut, I should say, the European release. And then it was eventually restored later, though, in the director's cut of the movie. Because what happened with this film is uh, it was fairly long. It was a couple of hours to begin with, 113 minutes, I think, or so, 100 and something. Yeah, almost a two-hour movie with uh, Jerry Goldsmith's score in place and some songs and, and things there that were created for the movie, too. Some of them, actually, some of the songs, the original songs, are sung by Mia, Mia Sarah uh, for that original uh, cut. And uh, then Ridley had this cut of the movie uh, screen for various audiences. They do some of these time, you know, I think they still do it to this day, but they screened it for some preview audiences, and they got some pretty poor feedback. Pe- people weren't really not liking it very much. And so what they, they decided to make some pretty big changes to it. One was they cut a lot of scenes. They cut a lot of the movie down. They cut it down to about a 90-minute movie, 89 or 90 minutes uh, from 113-ish minutes. So, you know, they, they cut a lot out of the movie. You know, a good almost half hour of the movie was gone at that point, 25 minutes maybe or so, 20 minutes maybe. Anyway, 20, 25 minutes. And uh, they just... I guess that some of the people's audience reactions were things like it was too much work watching it all. Uh, you know, oh gosh, it's so long and so forth. I don't know. But, and Ridley Scott has gone on record and said to this day that he, he is, um, he regrets changing it. He thinks the original version, and that's why, you know, you have this director's cut now. But he feels that, that uh, he listened to, as he calls it in some interviews when you hear what he has to say about this he listened to too many pot smoking you know nincompoops i don't think he used the word nincompoops let's say but uh you know they he just says he listened to people that were in the audience that he really doesn't feel like had a very good sense of uh you know uh, what he was trying to accomplish and actually i think i was wrong earlier a little bit i think the movie was even longer still to begin with in some of those earlier cuts it was more like 150 minutes i think there were about two or three different cuts that they made and eventually they got it down to like 98 ish minutes but it was like 150 then it was down to around 113 or 120 and then they screened it some more and they cut it some more down to 98 so that would kind of kill me as a movie maker really you know you're you're making this movie and you know you put all this time in in doing the production and filming and i know you got to keep a movie tight and moving but to take so much of the movie and the heart of the movie out uh, would would kind of bug me at least a little bit. Uh, I don't know how much I'd listen to audiences, you know, reactions, especially when you're only screening it for a handful of people. You know, here's a few hundred one day and a few hundred another. That I don't know if that's a very valid uh, way of doing it. Uh, who knows? I kind of wish, you know, what they would do. And I don't know, maybe in this day of electronics, uh, maybe there'd be it'd be hard to keep it secure 
probably is why they don't do this. But uh, I don't know if you sign, signed agreements, maybe it would work. But you'd think with the internet, they could get a huge, much more advanced screening. You know, have some some secure website you go view the a movie on, and then you fill out some kind of questionnaire and give it back to them. Seems like you could really get some good feedback from a very large, wide audience on a movie. I don't, I don't know if they've ever done that yet, but it's a thought at least. Um, so yeah, Ridley said these pot smoking attendees. It got the director, got himself second-guessing himself. So he cut the movie down. And the other, like I said, the biggest other thing besides cutting a lot of scenes, which you can see now in the director's cut, is they changed the music. They had this beautiful score by um, Jerry Goldsmith that they cut out with songs that were done. Uh, and they put in a more electronic, more kind of hip, what they thought, score by uh, Tangerine Dream. And they also did some songs, a, a, a pretty big, uh, popular one, and I like it. Uh, there's a song called Love by the Sun and Is Your Love Strong Enough by Brian Ferry. These were put into the movie and cut in along with Tangerine Dream's score and music. Now, one thing for me at least is I enjoy the, the cut, the, you know, the original theatrical version uh, with the, the shorter runtime and the Tangerine Dream music because I saw it that way to begin with and saw it that way a few times before I eventually saw the director's cut. Now, I, I like them both. I enjoy them both, but I still find that one, that first one kind of appealing. I, I like the music, and it kind of takes me back to that time when I saw this movie the first uh, at, at first. But if you've never seen it, I, I don't really know if I have a good suggestion for you of which way to watch it first. Uh, you might try the director's cut first. You might try the, you know, the theatrical cut first. I think, uh, you know, you should watch both and, and see, make up your own mind which one you think you like better and more preferred. I definitely think some of the scenes and cuts of the actual movie itself, uh, there's benefits and, 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 and really I like a lot of those scenes back in the movie. Uh, there's some scenes, um, especially with um, Lily and Jack and in the forest and and different things. Jack uh, talking to the unicorn and telling you know the unicorn basically he's sorry for what he'd allowed to happen and, and and that. So so check them both out and see what you think. I'm gonna play a um, another uh, clip here for you and I'll come back and we'll talk more about the movie. you my gifts does the gun not please you no <laughs> can you speak so of your bridal gun i've found my true mate and you know it never beneath the skin we are all ready one was it not your sin trapped the unicorn? Even now, the evil seed of what you have done germinates within you. No. You lie. You disgust me. You are nothing but an animal. <laughs> we are all animals, my lady. Ha, <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that's a good scene. That scene there between uh, Tim Curry as Darkness and Mia Sarah as Lily, you know, shows some of him trying to seduce her and pull her to the darkness. And uh, it's it's not working too well. You know, and I, I don't think one of the things I've always felt about this movie is I don't think you ever really b- quite suspect or believe that she's kind of gone over to uh, to his side. I mean, a lot of that has to do with Jack and, uh, you know, the uh, Tom Cruise character of Jack and him having this faith in, in Lily and for Lily to do the right thing. What she suggests to Darkness at one point is towards the end of the movie, they've uh, there are two unicorns in the movie, too. Two unicorns. One they get the horn of, and one of them still is still has its horn. And the the unicorn, that unicorn, is captured and brought to darkness and brought to Lily. And the what Lily says, she says that uh, I will stay here with you and I will uh, do what you want and be with you or whatever. But it, you have to let me, you know, destroy and kill this last unicorn. By basically the the symbolic thing is to uh, to chop off the horn of this last unicorn, the last unicorn with a, with its horn still intact, and uh, darkness of course thinks, oh yeah, we're gonna you know that'll be great, we'll do that, that'll turn her completely to the bad side, you know, because she'll do this terrible thing, and then she will become kind of, you know, basically you know his little uh, you know girlfriend (laughs) yeah darkness has a girlfriend darkness has a girlfriend uh but uh yeah so then uh when that's all going on jack's coming up with a plan he knows darkness uh cannot uh and i never really say this especially with a 30 almost 30 year old movie 25 26 year old movie but you obviously are learning about this movie as i go through it uh, spoiler, spoiler alerts and stuff like that. But uh, it's been out for quite a long time. So if you uh, don't want to know what happens in this movie at the end, you know, now's the time to jump off. So, but Jack comes up with a plan to destroy darkness. They know darkness uh, is is basically sort of like a vampire and can't handle the, the sunlight. What's left of the sunlight? You know, when the first unicorn is uh, horn is taken the, the there's an icy you know snow and ice that that form over the land but there's still a little light left there's still some light the sun is kind of low in the sky and what jack does is he creates this series of reflective uh like shields and and plates throughout darkness's lair and brings the light down to where darkness is living under under this in this lair underground or whatever it is so that, and as that's going on, he gets all that set up. They've got the unicorn in there, and Lily's about to off this unicorn's horn. And Jack is sitting there with his buddy Gumpf, and uh, they are with, they have bows, and they're kind of pointed, and, you know, they're hidden off to the side, and they're going to shoot these arrows at darkness and at Lily to stop them. And Jack is, is, you know, believing that Lily won't do it, that she is still herself and that. And I like that scene a lot. And, and that leads into, I believe, the, uh, the next clip that I have for you. This, uh, this is the scene where that happens. And I wanted to kind of set that up because this one, there's some, you know, dialogue here, but you don't hear a lot of, you know, know what goes on exactly. So that's kind of, we're getting towards the end of the film. And uh, this is uh, Lily not doing exactly what Darkness wants. Jack, gentle with your heart. 
Not your eyes. Hear me, ye powers of the night. We offer this sacrifice in honor of you. Sanctified with blood and with Yeah, that's a good uh, good scene there, and I uh, enjoy that. Uh, you know, gets you uh, kind of fired up when you see that. Uh, a couple things I wanted to mention: the um, there are some scenes in this movie, you know, that are filmed outside in uh, in different areas that are, um, you know, not uh, not inside inside the studios. They are outside um, into uh, there's an area I think where. Uh, where Lily is is touching the unicorn that was done outside, and, and a couple other part portions of this um, this movie, uh, the uh, the noise that the unicorns make is kind of unusual. You know, you hear this weird noise through in the movie at a couple of points. It's actually humpback whales. You probably recognize it for those that know Star Trek Four, but they use that. I don't know why they someone thought that unicorns would make a uh, a humpback whale sound. Uh, you know, but that they put that in and. Uh, there, uh, you'll hear that a few times. Um, but yeah, the the scene where um, Lily is taking the touches of the unicorn was in the the gardens uh, near uh, Pinewood Studios. Uh, so that uh, that's pretty cool. I thought that part especially. Uh, a couple other things I wanted to mention here uh, that I should have probably even earlier on. A few other actors were considered for the role of Jack at the time. The one that went to you know Tom Cruise played, but Johnny Depp, Robert Downey Jr., uh, Jim Carrey, they were all uh, considered. I don't know. I think the only one of those three I think I could see it doing it would be Johnny Depp, perhaps. I don't. I couldn't see. I don't think Robert Downey Jr. or Jim Carrey doing it. I don't. I don't think they have. Uh, I don't know the the quality that I would be looking for for that role. Uh, I think Mia Sarah's character for Lily. I don't think there were other actresses that I I can find that were possibly uh, possibles for him. He always wanted Tim Curry, I guess, for Darkness. Uh, he saw him in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, so that, uh, that was pretty well set. The, uh, 
there's a couple other things I wanted to mention. The the dress waltz that there's in this movie, uh, that was choreographed by somebody named Arlene Phillips. Uh, she is a longtime friend of uh, Ridley Scott's. Actually, she was, used to be a babysitter for his kids. Another interesting thing about this movie, uh, it has widely been rumored that this movie was a source of inspiration for Shigeru Miyamoto's, I think that's how you say it, Shigeru Miyamoto's, 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 his game, uh, The Legend of Zelda. So The Legend of Zelda, you know, you have Link going off and saving the princess and all, but some of the things in that, uh, some of the inspiration for that, uh, that Shigeru uh, created for that game was uh, supposedly inspired by this movie, uh, which was just called uh, Legend, not the original title for it, Legend of Darkness. So uh, it, uh, you know, I think uh, I think there's just a lot of cool things uh, going on in this movie. I want to play uh, this next clip for you. I've only got a couple of clips left, actually. This is the only real movie clip. There's a little bit of music I want to play for you, too, after that, but I'll come back before. Uh, this one, I think, is the fight at the end uh, where Darkness is killed by jack through uh, a few things through the light and through a little bit of swordplay too so listen to this every wolf suffers flees tis easy enough to scratch Yeah, so Darkness is, is uh, he gets sort of, uh, you know, killed, chopped up a little bit, and then he falls off into this sort of abyss, almost looks like outer space in a way. I guess it's supposed to, you know, be the, you know, the underworld or whatever that he lives in before uh, people do things that allow him to come back into the world. It, it's kind of a symbolic area and thing, uh, you know, a bit. Uh, but you just kind of go with it. And, you know, it's a fantasy movie, so you have to kind of do that a little uh, and just kind of swing with it. Uh, a couple of other uh, comments about a different, couple different little bits of the movie in different scenes. There's a scene where Jack dives off that rock. That isn't Tom Cruise, but it's a stuntman diving off. Although I think these days, after I see what Tom Cruise is doing in that Mission Impossible movie coming out, I think he'd probably dive off the rock right now. But that's a stuntman uh, doing that uh, scene in the, uh, in the movie. 
and, uh, you know, just um, pretty neat stuff. Very beautiful movie. I loved one of the things that always struck me about this movie when I first saw it was I think that adds to the the illusion that it's in a real area is all the stuff that's sort of flying and floating, all the pollen and little leaves and 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 flowers floating through the air is the especially when the early parts of the movie where Lily and Jack are kind of running through the forest, and and, and I think it really with the lighting that they use and all of that uh, material floating through the air, I think it really gives it a sense that this is some kind of really hidden fantasy deep woods forest uh, and it's it's a place that nobody ever really sees and everything is sort of magical and alive and and i and i love again the look of the movie it should look great and beautiful on blu-ray so uh, i i have to definitely pick it up on that and uh I, I you know a good fantasy film it's hard to beat for uh for sometimes the production value and the way it looks so uh, but Legend, I think that's about it. I'm going to play a little bit of to kind of take us out and finish this with uh, my look at it. And I have a clip from Kenny I want to play here in a couple of minutes. But there's a, a little song towards the end of the movie, a couple of songs actually, uh, for this. And, and you should definitely seek out the music to this, the, the Jerry Goldsmith soundtrack and the Tangerine Dream stuff. I think you may have a little... Tr- it might be a little tricky with some of that. Some of it might be out of print, but I'm sure you guys can find it somewhere. Uh, but this is, I think, uh, this last bit of music here that I wanted to play from the movie. I think it's the end song. I think it's called Touched by the Sun or Loved, Loved by the Sun uh, by Tangerine Dream. And I will come back. I actually, I'm going to play right after the music. I'm going to play Kenny's comments on Legend. And then I'll come back. We'll kind of wrap things up for this week. seen the mystics play there once or twice well I knew they had a reason enchantment plays its cards all right hand in hand with the workings of the seasons legends can be now and forever teaching us to love for goodness sake legends can Who's shy? 
Hey Rico, this is Kenny from California. How's it going? Haven't uh, left you a message in a while and thought I would do this for Legend. It is one of my all-time favorite fantasy films. And I know when it came out in 85, it wasn't really that popular. And um, it still has like a cult status, I think. But I just fell in love with it. I was 15 when it came out. And it was one of the very first like true fantasy type movies that I had seen on the big screen. And I just fell in love with it. Um, you know, I mean, that was obviously before Tom Cruise was Tom Cruise. I think he actually did this after Risky Business. You know, it had Mia Sarah and, of course, Tim Curry. And he plays one of the most incredible bad guys I've ever, ever seen. And uh, obviously I'm talking about Darkness, uh, one of the coolest looking characters ever. And uh, I just love this movie. I mean, it had fairies and it had, you know, it had um, unicorns and there were goblins and good goblins and bad goblins and just a whole mess of people and elves. And it was just such a great movie and it's so much fun to rewatch. And, you know, I always have trepidations when I show this to my friends because it definitely is a little slower but it's still, to me, it uh, maybe it just takes me back to being 15 years old when I first saw it on the big screen. But uh, I still enjoy it. I love this movie. So glad you're doing a review on it. I can't wait to hear your thoughts and other listeners' thoughts on this movie. Because it truly is a fantasy movie. 100% fantasy. And I just love it, love it, love it. And a little tidbit, um, which I'm sure you're going to talk about it, but just in case you don't. Uh, that Robert Ricardo has a role in this. He plays Meg, which is the Swamp Witch. Um, yeah, we thought that was really cool that he he was... I don't know if he actually played the character, or I know he did the voice for it. But um, always a little interesting Star Trek tie-in there. And of course, Robert Ricardo is the Doctor on Voyager. Um, anyways, uh, I can't wait to listen to the podcast. And thank you for continuing to do such a fantastic job loving the podcast been with you since day one and uh, still enjoying it so uh, take care buddy and we'll talk later well thanks so much kenny for uh, your comments yeah it's uh, I, I agree with you completely it's a great fantasy film it really does take me back when i watch it to uh to a time where we didn't get a lot of these kind of movies and and each one i kind of treasured and and just enjoyed a lot and, and just this movie is is just so great to to watch the visuals and stuff is the story the greatest thing in the world? It's kind of a basic story. I, I think there are, uh, I think in this day and age, especially after the Lord of the Rings films and how great those were, I think some people may may not see this movie the same way we would see it. Uh, you know, since we saw it so you know such a long time ago to begin with, I, I guess a lot of that's yeah, somewhat of a nostalgia thing. But I enjoyed it then too. It isn't like I I didn't like it then, and I'm only liking it because it came out back then. I, it's difficult to explain, but uh, it is a. I think there's a lot of a lot to really enjoy about this film. And again, I s- definitely s- urge everyone seek it out, find it. Uh, I just looked while Kenny was playing, uh, or I was playing Kenny's comments. And it is uh, the ultimate Blu-ray edition on Amazon is only like 15 bucks. So my gosh, you, you can't beat that. You get uh, both versions, uh, both of the main versions of the movie, 
and and extras and all kinds of stuff. So uh, definitely, if you uh, have not seen it, you know, maybe pick it up and take a shot and and listen to Kenny and I and and trust us that it'll be something you'll like to have in your collection or just rent it. Uh, I'm guessing you could probably see it on Netflix. I don't know if it's streaming. Netflix is kind of weird about streaming. They'll have this, you know, something streaming that came out two months ago or three months ago sometimes. And then if you look up a movie like this from 25 years ago, it's not on there for streaming. Hey, go figure. I don't, I don't get it. So, uh, I mean, I know it all has to do with contracts and deals and stuff, but come on, people. This movie should be on there. You should be able to just click it and play it on your, you know, TV or iPad or computer or whatever. So, uh, check it out. Ridley Scott's legend. And yeah, you were right. Uh, I just had forgotten about that. I didn't, uh, I, I noticed when I was looking through the credits, but I forgot to mention it. Yeah, Robert Picardo was Meg Mucklebones in this movie. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Uh, a nice little bit of Trek connection to this uh, film uh, from uh, the mid 80s. So there you go. And, and like you said, Tim Curry, awesome as darkness. I think the whole cast really did well. I think they, uh, I think Ridley Scott makes some very unusual and kind of, um, Movies that are not necessarily for everyone, but for people like us that are big fans of film, I think these movies fill a certain niche that I don't think anyone else really does. I don't think anyone else really makes exactly the kind of movie a Ridley Scott movie does, you know, that he makes. And I'm always impressed and I'm really looking forward to what he's going to do with this next uh, movie, Prometheus, which is supposed to be. It's being talked about as being an alien prequel, so and nothing has really been completely confirmed that I know of. I mean, they keep playing around with and teasing and stuff, but that's I think that's another movie we're getting next summer, or is it next Christmas? I'm not sure. Check, uh, you know, comingsoon.net or IMDb, and you can find out. Well, folks, I'm going to get out of here. It's going to be a little bit of a shorter podcast. Oh, one other thing, two other things, actually. One, uh, if you want to hear a little more in-depth review of that uh, darkness figure from Sideshow that I got, I did review that way back on podcast 167, 167, back in, I think it's around March of 2008. So I, I didn't want to go into a whole review of it again, uh, but it's a great piece. We're long out of production, so you'd have to find it on eBay if you want to look for it. But uh, I have no idea what it's going for these days on eBay. I've never looked. Uh, I don't usually look after I buy something, but uh, it's probably not cheap. I think it was a few hundred dollars when I bought it. I forget exactly what the price was, but it was worth it. I think it's just a gorgeous statue. So, uh, And uh, to finish us off for this week on Treks and Sci-Fi, I've got a new uh, new song for you from our buddy Rick Moyer, who is healing up after his spill on the on the concrete. Uh, and, and I I'm amazed and impressed and and so grateful that he's still he's still managing to to churn out new Trekmas songs for all of us. So here's a new one for you to um, take out uh, take us out on the podcast today. This one's called I, I think uh, I saw Tapring kissing Captain Kirk. Is that right? <laughs> to Pring kissing Captain Kirk. What's that up with? What's up with that? Wow. Oh. All right, everyone. I'm out of here. Take care. Have a great week pre-Christmas week. And I'll be talking to you on the big day on December 25th next on Treks and Sci-Fi. So take it easy, and I'll talk to you then. Merry Christmas. Merry early Christmas to everyone. And thanks again, Rick and Kenny, for your comments and everyone else for sending in contributions and uh, reviews on iTunes and all that good stuff on Treks and Sci-Fi. Bye, everyone. One touches the other in order to feel each other's thoughts. In this way, our minds were locked together so that at the proper time, we would both 
be drawn to Kunat Khalifi. Sought a prink-kissing Captain Kirk Underneath the Vulcan skies last night Spock's death or his defeat Jim's reputation oh so chic For courting all the women In the whole of all Starfleet Then I Sought a ring kissing Captain Kirk while the gongs of Calafi were rung. On board would have been aghast if McCoy hadn't acted fast and stopped to bring from kissing Captain Kirk last night. I sought a ring kissing Captain Kirk While the drums of cheesy music played The air was oh so thin And another Vulcan wanted in So burning jealousy in Spock to bring she made then I saw Spock, he killed his captain Kirk. With bare hands, he choked his life right out. You should have seen the face of T'Pring when she learned that Jim was only joking. And Spock smiled, Jim, you're alive! With a You've been listening to Trek For more information, visit TreksInSciFi.com Write to Rico today at TrekSF at gmail.com That's TrekSF at gmail.com Set a course for Earth. Maximum warp. Copyright 2011. All rights reserved. I'm Captain Kirk. Trek's in sci-fi. That is before you sprain something. Your weekly dose of kinky goodness. And entertainment news. This mission would have failed without your help. I won't be speaking. To the podcast where no one has podcasted before. Captain Cardassians yet. Not with, we're not done with the Cardassians yet. Not with the strategic importance of that world. Thanks for joining us for Treks in Sci-Fi. Treks in Sci-Fi.